What's up, listeners? It's Andrea. Today, Riker doesn't eat a penis fruit. Wesley is adorable, and we ask the question, how cold is absolute zero? Come nerd out with us. Welcome to the TNG Podcast, the number one place in the Alpha Quadrant to geek out about all things Star Trek The Next Generation. I'm your co-host, Sharice. Hey, I'm your co-host, Andrea. Today, we're talking about Season 3, Episode 24, entitled Menage a Troy. This episode was written by Fred Bronson and Susan Sackett and directed by Robert Legato. In a complete throwback to Season 1 quality storytelling, mm-hmm. Luxana Troy spurns the advances of a Ferengi daemon, so he decides to kidnap both Troys and Riker while they're on shore leave and keep them hostage. He should have just really just kept Waxon and Deanna at the end. So we didn't have to mm-hmm. deal with them anymore. Just like return Riker and keep it moving. <laughs> Damon, just keep it moving. Um, I'm going to tell you right now, I was angry watching this because Netflix only lets you do 1.5 X as the fastest <laughs> fucking setting. I was like, where's three X? Where Netflix? Well, and the other reason to be mad is just, you know, we talk a lot about the writing of women in this show. And this episode is, again, a throwback to season one as far as how women are so obviously just a plaything. And they kind of sugarcoated it with, oh, but this is the Ferengi and that's why it's like a different culture or whatever. But no, because the behaviors of Luwaxana were just just so unacceptable on so many levels that it was Mm -hmm. like, yeah, you can't really say like it's the weird aliens coming in Mm -hmm. and making everything like awful like no it's the characters that you've already created you're right like if it was the drunk virus again yeah then maybe we could be like well she was under the influence her actions were her own Mm -hmm. it was just all of this was terrible all of it Mm -hmm. this episode gave me because of the way that the women were written throwbacks to code of honor Mm -hmm. it gave me throwbacks to justice also and i'll tell you why in a minute before we do do you have any other initial thoughts before we jump? Oh right yeah. In? Those aren't my initial thoughts. I was just sharing. That, oh, um, okay. This episode <laughs> was crashed. Yeah, yeah. So my, D my initial minus. thoughts. Yeah. D <laughs> minus you guys. My initial thoughts were similar to last week. Last week I started the episode of Sarek by saying, well, here comes a mountain of suck. That's what I thought when I hit play. Um, and it actually didn't suck. It just wasn't good. Yeah. This week I thought to myself, well, here comes an avalanche of suck. Mm-hmm. And I was correct. You weren't wrong. No, you I weren't wasn't. wrong, Sharice. This episode was like, you know, when you throw garbage away in your house mm-hmm. and maybe you go away for the weekend and you forget mm-hmm. to take the trash out before you leave. So then you come back a couple of days later and the whole house just reeks of like bad garbage. Mm-hmm. That was this episode. One hundred percent. It was like Chinese five food day in the trash old. can. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yes. It was it was any kind of takeout food from anywhere in the trash can for five days. I was like, this is the worst. And I haven't felt this outrage since season one. Yeah. And the only <laughs> thing good about this episode, which actually was great about this episode was La Waxana's clothes, but mm-hmm. she always slays, always slays when it comes to her outfits. And so I just was, I was eating that up, but everything yep. else going on, I could have hard passed on all the rest of the episode. Loxana understood the assignment, Cherise. She fucking brought the outfits. The only outfit I absolutely hated was the one she was wearing on Beta Z at at the picnic. Mm, We'll mm -hmm. get into. But everything else was just, it had bad bitch written all over it. And I was loving that. 
I was loving it. I was loving it. All right. So let's go ahead and just jump right in. So the episode opens with this closing reception to some trade conference that has just finished on Beta Z. And Picard is like the Ferengi for the first time have participated in this conference. And it is with, you know, a lot of reluctance that I've let them on the ship. And even during this conference, when Picard and Riker are talking to the head Beta Z who like ran this conference, they were just talking a, 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 just a mountain of shit about the Ferengi and how mm-hmm. they're like unwanted. And I was like, wow, uh, this just screams of so much racism. I mean, mm-hmm. I understand that the writers wrote the Ferengi to be these like unsavory characters, but damn you guys, like they mm-hmm. just went in hard. They're <laughs> super mean girls about it. Mm-hmm. They were, they were a um, couple of things. I was doing some little eye in the sky type stuff to kind of see if I could spot any little Easter eggs or whatever. And I did. Um, I got some code of honor vibes because of the way the women were written and Yarina's cat suit was in the background of this episode. Somebody no was just way. walking by wearing this. Yes. There was also a Zach Dorn in the background. I don't know if you saw that. I did it was not. The same, it was the same outfit that what the fuck is his name was wearing in peak performance. The Stratagema guy. Kolrami. Kolrami. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah. I was hmm. like, hey, hey, you guys. <laughs> yeah this woman was wearing the cat suit she didn't have the matching headband but the yarina's outfit walked right by the screen wow. like, hey yeah i missed all the nuances because i was like let's <laughs> move it along it, one thing Sharice, was- it's hard to watch this episode and catch yeah. stuff because our eye rolls are going everywhere so yes. they're anywhere but the screen correct that was the challenge it was the massive eye rolls was making <laughs> it hard to like look at the screen but i did notice that um that data starts doing this like geek spiral that he does all the time where he talks about how betazoids cannot read Ferengi's minds. And I did mm-hmm. not remember that at all. And I was like, what? That's kind of cool. So that sets up the whole episode because Damon Tog wants Loxana, not just because she's a fascinating female, but because she can read minds um, because he thinks that's going to make her a great negotiating piece in, mm-hmm. you know, with his enemies or whatever, because she can mm-hmm. read minds. But she can't read Ferengi minds. So I guess only when dealing with other cultures. I don't know. This was just stupid. Everything yeah, about it was, was stupid. Just dumb. But it was interesting. The the idea that the Betazoids cannot read Ferengi's minds because just in general, that gives an idea that there's limitations to their powers, which I thought was yes. fascinating. Yes. Did you notice that when Data went into his geek spiral, the main Betazoid guy was like, oh, <laughs> and I thought. <laughs> You cannot read data either for obvious reasons. Oh, that's true. Yeah, that's so, true. So mm-hmm. I was like, did you just forget he was there? Like he looked probably. startled and alarmed. <laughs> yeah, probably. Like, huh. This is, yeah. He was like, oh, what are you doing here? He was also standing awkwardly in that conversation. Mm-hmm. Like he wasn't really a part of it. So I could also see why that would be scary. Like you just thought this dude was passing by because him and Picard are having their own thing. And data's yes. just like a fly on the wall. And then he jumps in and it's like, whoa, were you, were you listening to us the whole time? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I thought that was really, I thought that was really awkward the way they, I think just like the placement of the actors in that yeah. scene was yeah. weird, but like, honestly, the least of my concerns with this whole trash can fire of an episode, but yep. I just thought like, okay, this is weird. And like, these guys are kind of being mean and also, oh, beta zoids can't read Frankie's minds. Yeah, that is and cool. Picard is also irritated with data. And now we're on to Luwaxana and Deanna having the most awkward dinner in the history of dinners. Yeah. The one that Picard had with Lawaxana, which is yes. also the most awkward dinner yes. of all dinners. That was like a um 
that was awkward for sexual assault reasons. This is awkward just because Loxana is stuffing her face like there's no tomorrow, just eating her heart out, literally. And I had a thought that when actors are eating in a scene, that scene is shot many, many different times over a span of many, many, many hours or days. So when you're eating in one scene, you need to be eating in another. Poor Major Barrett must have just had like a spit bucket or something right next Mm -hmm. to her because the woman was just putting food away like a dump truck. I was like, holy shit. I think so, because a lot of um, I mean, it didn't seem like she was eating a lot to me, but I guess maybe I didn't notice that. But I do think uh, I have heard actors say that they pretend to eat whenever there's eating scenes or they pretend Mm -hmm. to drink whenever there's scenes where they're supposed to drink something just because for that reason that you have to keep doing this over and over and over and over and over for hours. Mm-hmm. And um, with her dress, with Loxana's dress, there's no way she was eating any of that food Mm-mm. because that dress was corseted. It was mm-hmm. warm fitting. It was gorgeous. It was. So, yeah. There's no way she was able to actually eat the food in front of her. Yes. I totally agree. Majel Barrett wouldn't have been able to like put on an ounce for that dress. I do. I do think that dress was really stunning. And especially because it was floor length. It had full sleeves mm-hmm. and it had a cutout just above the chest or like mm-hmm. on her chest above her breasts. And I really love creative cutouts. Mm-hmm. You know, I think there is a time and a place for a high slit, low cut, backless, strapless, mini, whatever, whatever, right? There's a place for that. Mm-hmm. But I think if you're going to show skin, I think it's really, really cool to do it and kind of like these creative ways where it's like your back is covered, your arms are covered, your legs, everything's covered except for this one little like cutout. That's like asymmetrical. And I know how much you love an asymmetry. Mm-hmm. It was so cool. I loved it. I really loved that dress. That was yeah. super and rad the on Loxana her. has had a dress before that had the back out completely out. And the, mm-hmm. the scoop went all the way down. It yep. was gorgeous. Like I literally can't, I can't complain. She slays, she slays. So yes. that was fun to just stare at her outfit. Um, mm-hmm. But the conversation going on while I was staring at her outfit was just so uncomfortable. She's talking Ugh. to Troy. She's talking to Deanna, who I will call Troy like I always do. Yep. And I'll never call Loxana Loxana Troy. I always call her Loxana. No. Troy. I, you so, know what? I did the same thing. I was like, Loxana's talking to Troy. And I was like, wait, uh, wait a minute. <laughs> <laughs> right. Who calls her Deanna? Nobody. Nobody. Um, I guess Riker. So, so they're talking and basically Loxana is speaking telepathically. And kind of just, you know, criticizing her daughter as she's ought to do about why she does it, why she's not married with kids, um, which I can definitely relate to that conversation because when I was in my 20s, that conversation came up a lot. Now that I'm almost yep. in my 40s, that conversation has not been going on for quite some time. I think a lot of people have given up hope and I'm quite okay with that because family get togethers were just like a little painful for people mm-hmm. to be like, when are you going to do this? And I'm like, I, whenever I get around to it, like I, there's no... So one of the things that one of the pressures that is the origin of this tradition of women have to get married and have babies really early is um, it comes from the patriarchy of women being property. You don't have to own anything. You're not anything. The only value you have is in being a mother and a wife, right? So you have to get married and have babies as soon as possible in order to have value in society. That's no longer the case, at least not in America, not in 2021. So, and it hasn't been the case for quite some time. Mm-hmm, There's mm-hmm. no reason to do the second pressure is kind of like a biological pressure of, I want to have babies before, you know, the DNA in my eggs starts getting all wonky and my kids come out, not the way I wanted them to. 
Mm-hmm. And which can happen at any age, but you know, increase the risk increases with age. So that's kind yes. of the other pressure. Now I have always wanted to adopt kids. So that pressure is kind of gone as well, where I, mm-hmm. I don't have to like hurry up before my eggs go bad. Like I don't have to do that. Yeah. And so just kind of hearing Troy being like, mom, like I'm happy doing what I'm doing. It's just, it's, it's, it touches a sore spot with me. Thankfully, my mom was never like that. She never asked me that question you know what? Her whole entire life and she could care Same. less. I, you know, like, I called you my mom you. Loxana Troy all the time, but this is the, she is the opposite of Loxana in this space. Mm-hmm. She's like, she has never in my life asked me, when are you going to have kids? She's never in my life asked me, when are you going to get married? Never. And I appreciate the shit out of that because yeah. I cannot imagine De- Loxana was telling Deanna, think of your future. Think of my future. Bitch, you had your kids. Mm-hmm. It's not. Well, she's talking about her future. grandkids. She's I talking know. about her legacy, but like. I get that. Um, but like, listen, it's her life. You, yeah, yes. It's her life. This is, this is like when mothers hyper control, like their daughter's wedding. It's like you had your wedding. Yes. Yeah. Right. Which luckily my mom didn't do that either, but you had your wedding. And it's Why are you trying now? to control what everybody's? Yeah. <laughs> this is not about you, Luxana. This is not about you, girl. So yeah, it's really painful because Luxana and Luxana says, and I believe this, and I believe this of all, you know, good-hearted parents who criticize their kids and try to force them into getting married and having babies is that, you know, she really just wants her to be happy. And that's what it comes down to. And I think that's what all good parents want for their kids. The challenge is her, her definition of happy is married with kids. And that's not the same definition of as Troy. And she's not able to understand that or respect Mm -hmm. that. I mean, Mm -hmm. she can't even get to a place where she's like, you know what? I don't get it. Work doesn't make me happy like that. Work doesn't satisfy me deeply like that. I don't understand how you can be satisfied without a husband and kids. But if that is what lights you up, then yeah. I'm happy for you. Like she wasn't able to go there, which is what makes her, you know, really hard to be around. So this is going on and, and Riker comes to kind of save the day and takes Troy off to the bar to just be like, Oh my gosh, thank you. Give me a, give me a break from the yes. yes. And, um, and like, what, what a sweet boy. And of course, Luoxan is just like, I love Riker because he loves my daughter and, you know, you guys should get mm-hmm. married or whatever. Mm-hmm. Even though last time he saw her, she was trying to marry him. Yeah. But anyways, that's neither here nor yep. there. Yep. Yeah. And then Damon yeah. Cog sits down and is like, I want to possess you, basically. He's trying to Ugh. tell her he wants to own her as property because that's still how things roll in the Frankie culture, apparently. And he wants her to, to be not only his... um mate i guess but also his like business partner and she shuts him down hard she shuts him down hard and just like humiliates him in front of the whole entire group and storms off Mm -hmm. and that just makes him want her more and you're like oh can the episode be over now by the way guys this is about five minutes in and you're just like make it stop stop." we're like at the two and a half minute mark i was like oh (laughs) there's just so much left (laughs) i will say one of the ferengi is played by ethan phillips who you may know as neelix Neelix. yeah yeah you know every time i see i can't not see him as neelix i can't yeah every time i hear because his voice is so distinctive yeah so like the second he opened his mouth i was like oh it's neelix and he's actually played a few characters um in trek and he's played characters in things that are not trek but mm-hmm. the second I hear his voice, even without seeing his face, I'm like, oh, it's Neelix. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I can, I know him yes. anywhere. Yeah. So I just thought it was kind of fun to see him as a Ferengi. I, I feel like he might come back in another episode as a Ferengi as well. But it's kind of fun to see him as a Ferengi because he goes on to become a Talaxian, which is so cool because their makeup is, is really intense. 
Yeah. If you didn't recognize his voice, you wouldn't know it's the same actor. Cool to see him as a Ferengi. Um, yeah, but the, those Ferengi get chewed up and spit out by Luxana. And the next thing we see, she has summoned Deanna at her quarters and she's trying to get her to settle down and have a baby again. And this again is that like, th- this is that, that same thing. And I tell you what, I am a died in the wool feminist. And I think feminism is all about choice. If you want to live on Mars and have no kids, do that. I don't want kids and I'm not having kids because I don't want to. If you want to quit your job and be a stay-at-home mom, a stay-at-home wife, and eat bonbons all day, or work really hard raising your kids, that's your choice. That I think that's what it's about. I think the fallacy is in thinking that the thing that made you happy is what makes everybody happy. And I think the other fallacy with feminism is people think that empowerment looks like being, you know, a top tier, like CEO at a company and wearing power suits all the time. Yeah. It's like, it's just whatever you, it's it's being whatever you want to be. Yeah. It's being whatever you want to be without people telling you what to do. It's the American dream. (laughs) That's pretty much, that's American in a nutshell, doing whatever you want to do without people telling you what to do and people tell you what to do and you get super pissed. Yeah. I feel like white, white men, white property owning men understood that 200 and something years ago. And women are just getting to that. Like we're just finally getting that choice. In the last yeah. like 30 years. For some reason, the, the beta the betazoid culture still holds on to that old school way of thinking. Like mm-hmm. we've seen that before, at least in season one. And I think it's supposed to be a reflection of, of the past, or I don't actually know what the impetus is for this type of writing. But unfortunately, it gets so much worse. It gets so much worse throughout this episode. Yeah. But here yeah. it's like Lawaxana does really just want Troy to be happy. That's what she wants at the end of the day. And Troy is telling her, I am happy. I am happy. I'm, I'm, I am happy. The only thing making me unhappy is you constantly judging me and criticizing me and trying to force me to change. Yeah. That's actually what makes me unhappy. But doing what I do, being who I am, makes me happy. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I did love seeing Troy finally getting upset with her mom. She's mm-hmm. like... Loxana constantly refers to her as little one, which I think is pretty cute. But mm-hmm. Troy's like, little one, you have been calling me that since I was five years old. Like, mm-hmm. stop, stop, stop infantilizing me. Stop seeing me as a baby, da, da, da. which I thought I really enjoyed seeing that on screen because everybody just acts so appropriate all the time mm-hmm. that it's just not real. You know, you have this mother who's just like nagging, 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 nagging and on your case. And all you do is go. Oh, mother. And that's it. Mm-hmm. It's like, no, you would rage at some point. Right. And like that, I think, you know, Gene Roddenberry's all like, everybody's professional and gets along perfectly every time. Like that, t- it creates a sterility that doesn't feel real. So to have Troy lose her shit for a minute, I was like, there's a real person right there. Mm-hmm. There she is. So I, I did enjoy that. Now, the like really teeny tiny B plot to this is that Wesley has been admitted to Starfleet Academy pending his oral exam. He's passed mm-hmm. his written exam and everybody's like, hurrah, you know, you're getting to Starfleet Academy finally, which I thought was really cool. But that is like a teensy weensy little part that I must interject because it's kind of right in between these scenes. That is the, that is the B plot. And, um, it's actually pretty sweet. And I think I would mm-hmm. have liked a little more of that storyline. So we're, we're like in mm-hmm. the ready room and we see both Picard and Riker drinking from the famous mugs. And I was like, oh, I didn't remember anybody, but, but Picard drinking from these glass mugs, but they're drinking and talking to Wesley about, Hey, all you have to do now is pass the oral exams. Like, we'll make sure that you're, 
you know, you're ready or whatever. And so Wesley's like super excited because he's like, finally, I get to go to the Academy. Like everybody else on this ship, mm-hmm. <laughs> like all the people I work with every single day, yep. right. This, this is like a really hardworking 16 year old. And he's like, I'll finally, you know, <laughs> earn my own commission, which whatever that means, since there's no money, um, but I'll earn my, you know, rank my status, like officially, it's just really beautiful. So I would have loved to have more of that during this episode. I wouldn't have minded having a Wesley episode, but actually like Wesley, um, that would have been better than this whole sex slave nonsense that was yeah. this episode. Yep. So yeah, I'm glad they at least put something in that wasn't awful, but like, I still could go without this episode. Yes. Yes. Now, while all this is happening, the enterprise is going to go take off and like map the super fucking cool nebula for a mm-hmm. while, but they're like, it's fairly routine. So number one, Troy had the good sense to ask for shore leave. So I see, I'm going to have to like suggest this for you. Mm-hmm. So you need to, you know, go to beta Z. This is the only time in TNG. And I think maybe the only time in all of the Trek universe that you actually see beta Z. We mm-hmm. see some like flashbacks of it, but it's just little snippets of like this episode. It's a little clip showy type of thing, but this is the only time we see beta Z and. Oh, and the only thing we see is a park in beta Z. Now I wish we would have seen more. Yes. Which is actually the same park that justice was filmed in. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> sets are sets, right? But it looked yeah. different. It looked very yes. different. It's actually filmed at the, it was filmed at the Huntington Library Botanical Gardens in Pasadena. So it's about, you know, an hour away from like where they were filming in SoCal. So that's kind of cool. Where I was like, hey, it's Justice again. You know, it's beautiful garden. <laughs> now, the first thing I notice and we see is that Riker and Troy are walking along and holding hands. Sharice, how many friends do you hold hands with? Because my answer was zero. Yeah, mine is um absolutely zero. It's, yeah, it's absolute zero. So it's like negative two hundred and fifty-two or whatever that is. It's zero Kelvin. It's zero Kelvin. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Which I don't even remember how much that negative three hundred seventy-three. I think it's whatever it's, that number it's is. It's negative. It's negative two hundred and seventy-three <laughs> degrees Celsius. Okay, so I had Woo! it. I was close pulling to the first that guess. back out of my chemistry brain. All right, <laughs> it's zero Kelvin. <laughs> zero Kelvin. Yeah. So and then <sighs> thank but, you. you know, so we, we've talked a lot about how they're friends with benefits and how we know they still hook up. And even though they're like, I wish the best for you. And, oh, you're getting married. That's great. And also we're sleeping together. So we've already talked about how like that's a thing, but yeah. here's where we get proof of it. Cause the whole time we've just been like, I'm pretty sure they're just still sleeping together. And then yep. here we see them like holding hands and late a little later on making out. And you're like, yep, yep. Called it. There it is. Here's the thing. It wasn't the plan because Troy had requested shore leave and Riker did not. So Troy yeah. had some other plans on beta Z. Yep. And then Riker came down and she was like, mm, all right, or we could do this. Like, since you're here. Yeah. My booty Which, call is here. Yeah. My so booty I guess we can go. That's nice. Walk we got like, the garden. Yeah. Two, two days, two solid days. So yeah, let's go. Uh, quote unquote, walk through the garden. <laughs> <laughs> Riker's like, your feet are looking awfully dirty, Troy. Can I wash them for you? <laughs> now Huntington gardens, botanical, the Huntington library botanical gardens are huge. Right. And we just are going to assume that in the entire planet of Beta Z, there is just about anywhere you could be. But mm-hmm. Luxana decides to be walking by the exact same teeny tiny little patch of grass to set down a picnic. And I love that Riker and Troy are both like, ah. <laughs> uh, it's very uh, obvious she followed them. How did she very, follow them? Question mark. But it's but, very but, obvious. But then like a minute later, she's like, this is a very romantic spot. Are you sure you don't want me to give you some space? What? What? It's Why did you interrupt them? Because she brought uh, the, the picnic. She brought everything. And she was like, oh, hey, guys, I thought you guys would like something to eat. Like she set up this whole thing. And then she's like, it's so romantic here. See you later. Like she's trying to 
make them hook up, but like they were hooking up just fine without they you, were like two seconds and I, ago. And I got to say the Troy Riker Stan and me saw them kiss and I went, yay on screen proof. Like I just was yeah. delighted. And that kiss lasted about 0.08 of a second. And then <laughs> walks on a strode by in a dress that I was like, no, you missed the mark. The breast part of the dress didn't fit her. Well, like it just, the whole thing felt really off to me. That was the one outfit. I was like, mm, I don't love this. Now during this picnic, Waxana offers some Swiss shard for Riker to munch on. And of course they call it some beta Z alien name. And he takes a bite and he's like, mm, kind of like when you take a bite of raw kale, you're like, uh, delicious. But then he says it's warm and you're like, Mm-mm, that's yep. disgusting. Nope. That is disgusting. Well, let me tell you. But now, he's such this- a, I mean, he ate gach. So like, yeah. what's this going to be? You're really? good. You're good. No, yeah. You can anything. eat the, you can eat the warm Swiss shard. It's fine. Now this episode we've already said is a D minus. It could have been worse, Cherise. It could have been worse because Gene Roddenberry, as we know, is a sex creep. <laughs> I'm just going to put it out there. And he had he's a, he's done- a flower child. <laughs> he's got a very uh- one person's flower child is another person's sex creep. Because let me tell you, he did a little rewrite on the script that thankfully everybody else had the good sense to be like, we're not doing that. Luoxana was supposed to offer him from her hand to take a bite of this fruit uh-huh. that he described as cylindrical in shape and veiny. He wanted Riker to eat a dick on screen. <laughs> no. And Luxana was supposed to be handing it and he was supposed to take a bite of the top of it from her hand. Gene? What the fuck, sir? Picturing that in my head, I'm just like picturing. I'm picturing Jonathan Franks, who plays Riker, being like, "Ah, uh, so wait a minute. Um, <laughs> what you're saying is, hold on, hold on, hold on, uh, hold on, hold on. So wait, why are we even eating in this scene? <laughs> like, we don't actually need food at this picnic. And 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 you know what? And Roddenberry would be like, "Great, let's get him a thermos of Earl Grey that's cylindrical in shape and veiny." <laughs> Oh my yeah. goodness. So that would have been for me when I would have just quit TNG on the spot, just on the spot. Now well, I was so little, I wouldn't have noticed until I was an adult. And then I would have been like, I can't believe they showed that on television. Yeah. No, no, no. <laughs> Standards and practices would have been like, we need to um, call you into the office and tell you that we cannot in un- under any circumstances, just show this thing. Yeah. He said it was cylindrical in shape, have a large tip and be veiny. <laughs> so Take from that what you will, listener, because I'm telling you, Riker was like, I'm not about to be eating a dick out of your hand, Major Barrett. Sorry. Well, I mean, (laughs) that's that didn't happen. And we're very, we're very happy. But what did happen was like not that much better. So, yeah, he's eating this like warm Swiss shard. Mm. Yeah. And so um, Luoxana sends Mr. Holmes into the nearby woods or whatever to go pick some some berries yeah. And um while while he's out picking Uda berries, Damon Tog shows up and is like shows up with this little like crappy bouquet in this beautiful botanic garden so it looks extra crappy. Just the it's like you bought this bouquet and then you left it in the trunk of your car and then you remembered about 6 months later that was in there. Yeah. It's all brown <laughs> and dried and dead. And so he's like please Waxana join me or whatever and she's just like how many times I have to tell you get out of my get out of my life. We said that in a yes. episode. And so he's just like, 
all right. You know, she takes the, like she takes the flowers and throws it in the bushes or whatever. And he's like, okay, well in that case, I'm just going to beam you all to my ship. So he kidnaps all of them. He puts them all in a holding cell and then he beams out just Loaxana and Troy and Deanna. And he beams them without their clothes on because in their words, females do not deserve the honor of clothing. Now, my first thought was how on earth did they modify their transporters so that it transported the people, but not their clothes? Yeah. We have not seen that level of, of like skill or delicacy with transporters. They usually just yeah. snatch up everything within the beam. Yeah. So that was everything kind of in the beam, everything in the beam gets snatched up. Yeah. Well, they, they are beamed away and they're the three of them wake up in a holding cell and the women are closed at first, but then they're like beamed into a different holding cell and their dresses stay behind and collapse on the floor. And I was like, mm-hmm. uh, you're right. It's like, how did you just get the biological aspects? I don't know, but how it was really cool. That? I mean, it was, it was cool. It was a very cool special effect, like very yeah. cool. And I don't, and even having the dresses like still stand up as if people were in them and then collapse. Yeah. Like, that was that whole thing was super cool. Technologically speaking, like that looks so, super dope. And then wondering how the transporters could work like that was cool. That's yeah. the extent of the coolness of for the rest of the episode. Like that's, that's it. it. That's, that's it. it right Might there. as well just hang it up for the day. That's it. <sighs> so they yeah, show so- up in this other holding cell and they're butt naked and they're like, oh my gosh. And so they grab up some like, I don't know, towels, blankets that happen to Space be laid blankets. by there. Yep. Yeah. And like, just make some little like improvised new clothes. So what was even also the point of all how many that? ships do you know have stacks of towels hanging around <laughs> or blankets or whatever the heck? No, one, Wait, zero. They, they don't even have blankets on the fucking Enterprise. All you get is a little <laughs> shitty sheet that Jordy lies on top of in his full uniform and shoes. OK, I, there's just perfectly placed two towels or sheets or whatever these are i think there was like a stack there and she grabbed two but why was Mm. there a stack who knows who knows maybe she got beamed near the shower but (laughs) (laughs) when they get beamed in you know and they're telling like females don't deserve the honor of clothing and blah 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 i was just like again this is like an incongruity if we've got these alien this alien species of ferengi who think women are you know garbage and you know second class citizens and belong underfoot and all this stuff that's that's their cultural beliefs. And if that is their beliefs, they're going to be attracted to women who fit that belief. They're not going to be attracted to alpha females. Like that doesn't make yes. sense. They're not yes, going to be attracted right. to women you're who right. are headstrong, independent, a freaking ambassador for their mm-hmm. whole planet. Like they're not going to be attracted to that type of woman at all because it doesn't fit in their worldview. This is the like the second time we've seen something like this on the show where it just doesn't match. You have someone yes. saying like, this is what I think of women. Or this is what I think of men, you know, depending on the episode. But then they're attracted to something that's completely opposite of anything that they would think from growing up in that culture. Mm-hmm. So that was just really like, just, I don't understand it. I don't understand it. So- no, I, I don't. I really don't get it either. Um, the only thing I might think is that it's just something very different, which can be exciting and interesting. Yeah, it can be interesting and exciting, but I feel like that only goes so far but whatever who yeah you know what i think the answer sharice is who fucking cares this episode is so garbage none of it makes any sense none of it it. the only part that makes sense is that wesley got into starfleet academy okay which is awesome yay wesley yay pending an oral exam which i was like ooh, i don't do well with oral exams yeah but Uh, you know wesley's gonna crush it like he will it into the exam he'll be fine he'll he'll, it into the exam quiz assessment test like he'll be fine all that he, <laughs> he writes those things for breakfast come on he created he freaking like a sentient 
technology from two nanites that he let escape. Like he, he, he'll be good. The man is <laughs> fine. Yeah. He'll be all right. He's teaching at Starfleet Academy next year. Now, I mean, I'm not going to go beat by beat on what happens in the Ferengi ship. Cause it's so stupid, but basically Luxana tries to flirt her way out of danger. And I thought one smart two. Many, 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 many women have been put in that situation. And you kind of have to just smile and flirt your way out of danger. And that's what Luxon is trying to do. And she's trying to work her magic and she's massaging his ears, which just creeped me out so much. And here's the problem with the massaging the ears is that she's just massaging his ears the way like a human would massage someone's head or hair, run your fingers through their hair or something that's kind of intimate, but also something you could do in public. Yeah. And turns out that rubbing his ears is the same as giving like a hand job, but for Ugh. Ferengi. So she finds that out and he's like, oh, you give great whatever he called it. Mm-hmm. And then he was like, I love how you rub my lobes or something like that. And so she realizes what she's doing and then she keeps doing it. Yeah. Like, I would have been like, oh. yeah, my yeah, hand would have jumped back from right? those ears. If you thought you were just like rubbing his hair, which is such a like it's intimate, but it's not like. You need the it's doors not, closed to do private. it. It's, it's yeah. not private. It's not like, yeah. And this Ugh. is like, and then you find out, no, this is like something super private you wouldn't do in public. Like that just grossed me out to no extent. And then, yeah, that's exactly what she did. She flirted her way, you know, tried to flirt out the communication codes from him, mm-hmm. um, almost got them, but then Neelix came in and stopped her. <laughs> I was going to say Neelix, Neelix did come in and got all Nazi doctor on her. It was like, yeah, we need and, to do experimentation and we'll and, figure out how her brain works. And then we'll just copy it with our technology. Yeah. We'll just map the like telepathy part so we can still use that to turn a profit, but it we don't need her. And Damon Tug is like, but the machine might kill her. And Neelix is like, yeah, but I just caught you red handed, almost giving her the access codes to the computer. So, you know, you're so going to lose your life. You, yeah. I can report yeah. you to your boss and you will no longer have standing. You're going to lose your ship. I can take over the ship. So he kind of blackmails him, which I mean, considering the fact that Tog's negotiation skills started with him pulling out a bed for Luoxana to lay on, I don't, I feel no sympathy for him. Yeah. I, I no, you're good. Yeah, yeah. You're good. Just whatever. Go back to being whatever the hell you were before you were a daemon. Yeah. So now she's trying to like tease out all these things. They strap her into this machine and start hurting her brain with lasers, question mark. And at this point, Riker and Troy have like broken out of their holding cell by well Riker broke out and Troy came along for the ride (laughs) yeah she sure did because Riker was space chessing his way out of there now at this point the Enterprise has been in this nebula for a while their communication is down because of the interference and static so finally after a couple days they come out of this nebula and finally the main dude from beta said it's like oh finally we've been trying to get a message to you Riker and Troy and Loxana have gone missing, but we don't care about her as much. But, you know, Riker and Troy have gone missing. Mm-hmm. Poor Mr. Holm comes back with these Uda berries and it's like, hello? 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 Now, yeah, so they go back down to the Huntington Gardens on Beta Z and they find this bullshit Ferengi dried ass bouquet and they're like, Ferengi. So now they know that the Ferengi are somehow involved. And Riker, now here's something I had a bone to pick. Riker has access to the computer panels because he's knocked out this Ferengi and he's like, beep, boop, beep, boop, you know, pushing mm-hmm. all these buttons. Now he and Deanna are like, okay, clearly we can't get to like the communication system. So maybe there's like a smaller subsystem. That's like a background system that we can access. Yeah. Because and they couldn't get the security codes from Luoxana because Neelix walked in. Exactly. Just in time. Exactly. So 
<laughs> Deanna and Riker are looking through, you know, they're scrolling through the computer and they're like this one right here. And it's all in Ferengi characters. I'm sorry. Since when can we read Ferengi? I don't they know. Like, they always this one right here. Look at that one. I was like, they what? always do that. They always do that. And sometimes they'll be like, oh, we'll just like use the universal translator so that I can understand it. But they, is it, it embedded in your English. eyes? Is it embedded in your eyeballs? I don't understand this. I was like, this is really okay. I feel like what I've seen or what they're hinting at is that it's like all computers come with universal translators. So you can push like switch to English on the like pat, like on the keyboard or whatever, and then read it. But it's not like the words actually switch to English for the viewer. Everything looks exactly the same for the viewer, but the, the, the ship member, the crewmate is always like, Okay, here it is. And they they can see it. So whatever. That's yeah, like that's I, I was always like, a thing. That's always I mean, a thing. I know that Troy Moonlights is a linguistics coach, but come on now. This was <laughs> I was like, this is a little r- ridiculous. Anyway, but they end up sending out this little like static signal. And it's part of like the warp, you know, the warp residue leaves. It's kind of like a, you know, it's like smog that comes out of your car or like carbon monoxide that comes out of your car. It's just a waste product byproduct of warp travel. And he's like, I'm going to send out a pattern and hopefully this will work. Now, the Enterprise, of course, is like, bump, 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 trying to find them and mm-hmm. can't find them anywhere because the Ferengi ship, we now know, can travel almost as fast as the Enterprise can. So warp yes. nine-ish, at least. So they could be anywhere. Mm-hmm. And anywhere. also, we we learned when we first met the Ferengi in season one that their technology is equivalent to Enterprise, to the, to Starfleet technology. Yes. The ship's the same as the Enterprise. It's just as fast. It's just as maneuverable. It's got the same amount of armaments. The weapons level's the same. So th- it's not somebody that they're going to be able to just like pick a fight with. Yes. Which is kind of nice. It's kind of nice that they just can't come in and be like, give us, give them back or we'll blow you out of the sky. You know, they have to be like, hmm, they have to kind of think a little bit more about that. But yeah, yeah. because the ship is equivalent, it could be anywhere. It could have warped anywhere. But Picard says, well, Riker's on board. So he's going to find a way to like slow the ship down and send us a message. Like we let's just assume that they're trying to escape. Yes. We're just going to have to assume that. And finally, Wesley of all people is getting ready to beam off the ship because he's got to go, you know, do his oral exam for Starfleet. And this ship is like standing by, standing by. They're like, hello, we can't wait much longer. Like this is what I had the bone to pick with. Again, they're shuttling Wesley off. And I get that this shuttle was on its way to wherever he needs to take the test anyways. And they were just going to take him with them. But at the same time, wherever they were going on the shuttle, the Enterprise could get there in like two seconds. And I get that the Enterprise is not going to move the entire ship for this little boy. Oh, I don't think it was a shuttle because they were calling it the Bradbury. Like it's a I think it's a whole ship. Is it? Because I thought they said it was a shuttle. No, I think it was a ship. But even then, I was like, the Bradbury can take off even if they're going like warp five. You can still beam when you're at warp. Like mm-hmm, you can just beam him, beam him in like 20 minutes from now instead of right this minute. Yeah. But I don't know. Who cares? This, added, this added some good drama, I guess. Yeah. So he's getting ready to beam off and he's on the transport pad. He's already hugged his mom goodbye. She's giving him his little cool ass looking lunchbox that has the Starfleet logo on it. Mm-hmm. And he's like, wait, a pattern and runs off, you know, as everybody does in minute 48 of a drama. <laughs> they figured it out, but they don't want to tell us what it is. So they're like a pattern and they run off and <laughs> turns out that Wesley was able to detect. And I call bullshit on this. He was able to detect this pattern in static. And actually it wasn't even a pattern. It was the gaps between the pattern. That was the signal. Mm-hmm. Come on now. He and picked it out with it was- his ears and data didn't. 
And I was like, Ooh. no, I'm, I'm going to say false. Yes. It was the same nondescript song that this guy was playing at the closing ceremony. It was like some ceremonial music or something at the beginning of the episode at the very beginning. Right. And he, he's like, that's it. That's it. Triangulate. Yes. Data didn't notice it. Come on. Come on. Anyway, whatever. (laughs) Again, the answer is who fucking cares. Now Mm -hmm. they zip on over, they find the ship, they contact the Ferengi. And at this point, Loxana has made a deal to get Deanna and Riker off the ship. And she's like, I will stay with you willingly if you let them go. So out of the blue, Deanna and Riker are beamed right onto the bridge and they get Damon Tog on screen and Loxana is playing this like, it's too late, Picard. I'm his now and you can have never have me again. And I don't know how, but of course, Deanna's like, I think I know what she's trying to do. You have to fight for her. And this is a pretty fun scene mm-hmm. where Picard starts spouting off a shit ton of Shakespeare. Mm-hmm. Tis better to have loved and lost than never to have loved at all. All this stuff. And I and- love how, how, tr- how Loxana is just like, Oh, come on, Picard. You can't keep killing off all my lovers. And Damon Tog is like, wait, what now? He did what to who now? Like, oh, yes. He he just can never get enough. Anyways, like, I love how she just kept dropping these, like, threats. Yeah. <laughs> so casually, like. She's like, oh, it can't continue. I mean, how many of my lovers can you kill? It, this just can't go on anymore. <laughs> and he's like, if I can't have you, no one will. Like, Mr. Worf set phasers to blah you know mm-hmm. and of course talk is like wait wait a minute wait a minute can't we talk and i love that picard is like 10 9 8 like he's not having it <laughs> he's having <laughs> he this is not captain picard this is patrick stewart right here this is patrick stewart mm-hmm. i was like oh look at this now of course all's well that ends well damon tog beams her onto the bridge with like and- one second to spare with one second to spare and beats a hasty ass retreat. And of course, Loxana's like, oh, Jean-Luc, I knew you cared or some shit like that. And goes and sits on his lap and he cannot get her off his lap fast enough. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and he's like, Mr. Crusher, uh, set course for beta at warp nine. <laughs> yeah, that was pretty funny. He's like, get us to that planet as quickly as possible. Yeah. Go now. Like, <laughs> get, get this woman off our ship. Yeah. So... Then, so like, yeah, that wraps up that whole storyline and who cares? Well, anyways, in the ready room later <laughs> on, <laughs> we, you know, Wesley's talking to Picard and, you know, it's clear that Wesley's missed his oral exams at this point. So we find out he's got to wait a whole nother year before applying again. And this is like his second or third time waiting a year to apply again. And you're like, oh, poor kid. Right. And then yes. you're just like, he's just, he's never going to, he's never going to actually go through the Academy. But what's interesting is there's this little scene we skipped earlier between Wesley Data and Jordy when they're in engineering trying to figure out whatever. And Data says something like, yeah, after you finish the Academy, you probably are not going to come back to the Enterprise because it's very unlikely that some fresh ensign right out of the Academy is ever going to be placed on the flagship. And he was like, huh, I didn't think about that. And Jordy's just like, oh yeah, definitely. Like you're going to leave home and like go be on all these other ships. And Wesley's just like, wait a minute. Like I, I thought I was going to come. I thought I was just going to get, you know, my commission and coming straight back here. There was Mm -hmm. nothing in my mind about going to different ships and really going to live my own life. So I think part of him really didn't want to go and was happy to stay and and find the random pattern between the pattern or whatever, because he didn't want to, he didn't want to leave his family. He's still pretty young Mm -hmm. and 
also he's doing the exact work that he's going to the academy to someday be able to do. <laughs> he's doing it right now. Yeah. So it's like it's like the, it's like apprenticeship, right? When somebody knows how to yep. like build cars or whatever, they don't need to go to school to learn how to build cars because they they've learned it at home like for all these years. Mm-hmm. It's, it's kind of like that. So you're like, oh, he'd have to go to school to learn the stuff that he already knows to yes. not even be able to come back. So he really didn't want to go. So waiting another year is like, okay. I agree. I'll because Dana said to. like 90 something percent of, you know, Starfleet graduates don't get posted to the enterprise. Cause obviously it's a flagship. Why would you be getting like the first, you know, fresh, the freshmen's basically. Mm-hmm. And Jordy's like, well, I'm sure Picard will like request, request you specifically, you, but that's oh, it. wait, that is if he's still captain of the enterprise by the time you graduate. Yeah. And Wesley was like, I didn't think of that. Oh, I didn't think of that. Oh, mm-hmm. damn. I didn't think of that. Yeah. Like you would be on the Cerrito somewhere in the lower decks, <laughs> you know, hanging out with the animated crew. I hope they put Wesley on that show. <laughs> that that would be really fun. I mean, all you need is his voice and he has the same voice. So that's pretty yeah, fun. He's never going to do it though. Probably. Will Wheaton is a part of the Trek franchise as like a podcaster. Yeah. He has not reprised his role and I feel like he doesn't want to, but like, oh, I would love it. But well, you know what? Anyways, I would still love to see him as Ensign. He's going to be like 43 years old as an Ensign. <laughs> and it's going to be him and Harry Kim just like drinking in 10-4. Just like down in Synth Hall, double fisting. Why are we still Ensigns after 45 years? Yeah. Yeah. You keep getting demote, promoted and then demoted. Now, <laughs> Captain Picard does make a full, you know, does make a field promotion for Wesley to be a full Ensign, not just an acting he gets the Starfleet uniform. This is the first time he's wearing his Starfleet uniform. Oh my God. I was like, there he is. That was literally I the love- best scene of the entire episode. Wesley comes out in his crisp uniform, rocking the red. His rainbow sweaters are gone with the instant pip. And he sits down and you're just like, oh, and you know, Beverly's there just smiling. And that's, that was great. That was wonderful. Yes, it was really cute. Now I did say, and I stand by this, that Gene Roddenberry is a sex creep. And he also seemed like a really sweet guy, too, because he had a whole ceremony and presented Will Wheaton with his real ensign bars that he had earned in the Navy 40 years before. Oh, wow. Which I was like, whoa, that's you don't just give that away. Final thoughts, Cherise? Yeah, my final thoughts were let's please never watch this episode again. That's what I have in my notes. What about you? Agreed. Um, it was fun to watch this just to do the teardown, but it was not fun to watch this if you just want to watch an episode. Um, give this one. A, this one was a hard pass. We are back to like the first 10 episodes of season one. Mm-hmm. Things are misogynistic AF. Things are super fucking racist. Things are incongruous. Yeah, don't watch it. But you know what you should watch? You should turn on the episode and go all the way to the end just to see Wesley coming out with his uniform. It's Aww, so satisfying. And then I know. the next episode immediately because the next episode is really good. Yes. Now, if you're not a Wesley fan, then there is literally nothing for you in this episode. <laughs> There's nothing. No. I was so glad when this was over. <laughs> was... Well, next week gets so much better. And then... The week after that, Cherise gets like explosively 10 quadrillion times better. (laughs) 
So stay tuned. Next week, we are talking season three, episode 25, Transfigurations. Thanks for joining us. Give this episode a skip and we'll see you next week for a really awesome episode. (laughs) Bye, everybody. Bye. Thanks for geeking out with us. Be sure to join the crew at thetngpodcast.com to be the first to know when we do our live shows or host events exclusively for our members. We'll see you next time.